The book of Ezra, chapter number 7, verse number 1. And after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Atob, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Marioth, the son of Zeruiah, the son of Uzai, the son of, I want to say Bucky. <laughs> but Bucky's not, probably not right. We'll say Bukai, okay? I'm sorry, I made a glitch right there. <laughs> Verse number five. The son of Abishua, the son of Phoenix, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra went up from Babylon. And he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord of God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests, according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel, and of the priests, and of the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the Nethanims, unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month which was the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Skip down, if you would, to verse number 27. <clears throat> Verse 27, blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. I, and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. Um, I titled a message this morning, Is God's Hand Upon Your Life? Because I think we can see a really good principle out of His Word this morning. Let's pray. We'll get going. <clears throat> Father, we thank You for Your mercy and grace, and for Your loving kindness, for your care, your watch care. We're thankful for the service thus far. And Lord, we're thankful for the missionaries that are with us today and their burden to continue to do exactly what you called them to do. And then we're thankful for every other person that's in this place. And we're thankful for everyone that's watching by live stream. And we pray that you would use this portion of Scripture this morning, this message, to do a work in our lives that only you can do. We need your power. We've asked for that. And we ask for it one more time power and boldness and just the uh, ability to speak clearly and to keep going, Lord, to preach this message the way you want it done. Thank you again for loving us the way that you do. Help us now, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing and please do be seated. I think that one of the 
biggest things that has given Christianity a black eye over time is the prosperity gospel. You know, the name it, claim it crowd. Um, the health and wealth gospel. Uh, the thought that Jesus died to save us from the sin of poverty. That God wants all believers to prosper materially. Most everybody's been exposed to that to some extent along the way. Send in your offerings so I can buy me a new jet. Mercy. I, I can't even believe they have the intestinal fortitude to say such things. But they do, don't they? Just so they can have more. Um, let me say very candidly, these people are a bunch of morons. And they have duped a lot of good people out of millions, if not billions of dollars along the way. And they try to make God to be some kind of a Santa Claus that would just give you everything that you ask for. But there's something that cannot be overlooked. God does want to bless His children. He wants to bless us. He, he wants to put His hand of good blessing upon us. In fact, He gets great delight in doing good in our lives. I'm telling you, God's not up there just looking down on us, trying to figure out some way to take us down. That's not our God. That's not the way He works. No, 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 no. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says, What man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? How much more? How much more? You know, we as, our, we as parents are not better to our children than God is to His children. Our Heavenly Father enjoys blessing His children. He enjoys being a blessing to us. And I guarantee you, our God that is in heaven wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And looking at our scripture this morning, we're going to see that He wants to put His hand upon your life for good. He wants to do that. No, God wants to do that. Absolutely so. He wants His hand upon your life for blessing. Our passage this morning shows that there are things that we can do that will invite God to do just that. And, and, and I would have to think that everyone in here today would like to have God's hand upon their life. I mean, I have to believe that everyone... Uh, would you like to have God's hand of blessing upon your life? Oh, no. No, no, I can think of a better way to handle things. No, no, I can't, I can't think anybody would have that mindset that, you know, that they wouldn't want God's hand of blessing upon their life. So let's take a look at what Ezra has to teach us. And I do believe he has something to teach us. I don't think that I'd have any problem, uh, I would have any problem agreeing, I don't think anybody would have any problem agreeing with me this morning that the most noteworthy fact that we see here in Ezra is, is, is Ezra knowing that God's hand was upon his life. Ezra knowing that God's hand was upon his life. Look at verse number uh, 6 there. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So when Ezra came to King Artaxerxes, seeking to get his approval to return to Jerusalem, Artaxerxes granted Ezra all his requests. Now, that was not by happenstance. No, 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 no. It, it happened because God's hand was already upon Ezra. Uh, look down at verse number 9. It says, uh, For upon the first day of the first month, began he, go, uh, began he to go up from Babylon, 
And on the first day of the fifth month, he came, uh, came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of God upon him. So Ezra traveled with the good hand of his God upon him. And more than likely, there were difficulties, there were challenges during his trip from Babylon to Jerusalem. But the good hand of God was upon him to give him safety, to keep him going along the way. Then, then look at verse number 28. It says, And hath extended mercy unto me uh, before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. Uh, and I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. And I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. So what Ezra needed to do what God wanted him to do was provided as he was strengthened um, uh, 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 by the hand of the Lord. Uh, the hand of the Lord was upon him. When weary, God renewed his strength. When he was down and out, the good hand of God lifted him up. Psalm 121 verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I'm telling you, our God can help us through any situation that we might face in our life, whatever it may be. So the blessing of God was upon Ezra's life. And Ezra knew that. He knew that. He continued to say it over and again through here. He knew that God's hand was upon his life. And just as God had blessed the generation that had returned to the promised land to rebuild the temple some 80 years prior to what we're looking at here, God was blessing Ezra. And yep, as we get into the chapter, as we get into this chapter, 80 years has passed since that first group came back to Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile, 80 years. So Cyrus made his decree 80 years ago that allowed the Jews to come back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of God. And it has been about 60 years since the completion and the dedication of the temple uh, that uh, we looked at last Sunday morning. So Ezra was not a part of the initial trip. The first part. He wasn't there. He's, he's now come, but he was not a part of the initial trip. And uh, in fact, Ezra may not have even been born at the time that the initial trip was made to come. So anyway, 60 years have passed between chapter number 6 and chapter number 7. It's a reality. We, 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 need, to, we need to know that. So there's this new king on the throne, Artaxerxes. There was a chance that 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 might change some things. There's another king, and kings did whatever they wanted to back then, right? They did whatever they wanted to do. So there's this new king on the throne, and so we're not sure how he's going to act. Now, this is a different Artaxerxes than ones that we have talked about already uh, uh, from years ago. And some scholars say that the name uh, Artaxerxes became a generic title of the uh, uh, Persian kings, much like that the title Caesar uh, was used back in Rome. But the, the main thing to remember was that God was still on his throne. No, no, God hadn't changed. Even though the kings had changed, God hasn't changed, and he was on his throne, and he was ready to fulfill his purposes in the lives of his people. That's what he does. He fulfills his purpose in the lives of his people as they yield to him. So Ezra, knowing that the good hand of God was upon him, had the confidence and he had the courage to follow the Lord's leading. He said, man, I know the good hand of God is upon my life, and so I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to courageously pursue whatever God would have me to do. Now, I don't know about you, but if God spoke to my heart in the night and said, I want you to go to Guam. Okay, all of y'all are ready to go. 
Probably because you watched the video. But I would have to want, I would want to know that God's hand was upon my life to go to Guam. That, that I might have the confidence to jump on that plane, that I might have the courage to go over there and do what God would have me to do. Anyway, the question would be, even though 80 years have passed, has God changed from that time until now? And I'm not talking about now here, I'm talking about now here. Has God changed at all from the time that this all happened until now? Let me go ahead and answer that. No. God has not changed. Not a bit. No, 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 no. He's, he's immutable. So, so with that being the truth, we, you and me, we can live in that same confidence by our faith in Him. We can live in that very same confidence by our faith in Him. That, that the hand of God is upon our lives. That the hand of God is upon our families uh, and, 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 the, and the work that we do for the Lord. That His hand is upon us. The good hand of God is upon Riverside Baptist Church. And we can live with that confidence as we seek to have God's hand of blessing upon our life. And listen to me, please, this morning. We should be actively seeking such. I say we should be actively seeking such that the good hand of God would be upon our lives. The same way that we received our salvation by faith when we called upon Him, we received by faith what He now has to offer to His children. No, no, we received that by faith. We, we work at that. And we can do that with confidence because God is always working to fulfill His will in the lives of believers. God's always working to fulfill His will in the life of believers. Well, preacher, then why aren't people doing everything that God wants them to do? Don't get ahead of me. We're going to address that. Oh, absolutely so. God's will for the Jews was for them to leave Babylon and return to the promised land. It was God's will for the temple of God to be rebuilt, the church of God, the house of God to be rebuilt, the the cities. It was God's will for the cities of Israel to be restored and for the people to flourish once again. That's what he wanted. I'm going to take you out of exile. You've been there all those years. I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. I want you to start by rebuilding the house of God, the temple of God, and then I'm going to restore such and things are going to be good for you and things are going to flourish for you. No, that, that was God's will. Excuse me, Zechariah prophesied that there would come a time that the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets one day. No, no, he he prophesied that. And now it's happening. No, no, the people have moved back. This is God's will. I mean, that was prophesied, and God moved, and he brought the people back. And now, man, the temple has been rebuilt. They have have, uh, uh, rejoiced over that. Good things are happening. And all these years later, a big part of God's will for his people, please listen, had not been fulfilled. Not yet. Well, what's the reason for that, preacher? Um, Because, no, no, here's the reason. The people of God were people. That's the reason. No, it's exactly the reason. Most definitely. They had the same fallen nature that everyone has. They had the same fallen nature that you and I sitting in here this morning have. And there was only a small portion of them that had returned with Cyrus. uh, I'm sorry, returned when Cyrus 
made the decree that they could do so. There's just a small portion. No, every one of them could have gone, but there was just a small portion that returned at that time. Well, why is that? Well, because they were unwilling, listen to me, they were unwilling to give up the quote-unquote good life that they had had in Babylon. I mean, you know, they were working their jobs and building their homes and everything was fine. But the work, listen, the work of rebuilding the promised land, it had no appeal to them. This sounded like a bunch of extra work to me. Now, remember this, it had taken them 16 years longer than it should have taken them to get the temple rebuilt. And that happened just simply because of the opposition that the Jews faced when they started doing what God purposed in their lives. No, they started doing what God wanted them to do. And all of a sudden, this opposition shows up, just like it does in our life. And they let that shut them down. And so it had taken 16 years longer than what God purposed for it to take to get that temple rebuilt. Uh, The fear of opposition overthrew their faith in God. Did you get that? The fear of opposition overthrew their faith in God. The revival that they experienced under Darius, it it just didn't last. And we know now, uh, we know that, we know that, mm, come on brain, we know that because now, 60 years later, when Ezra arrives on the scene, they were once again in need of revival. They needed another revival. They needed God to do something else in their hearts. So we see here a real spiritual law. And that is this. Our growth, our growth has more to do with God's faithfulness than our own faithfulness. Truly. No, no, no. Our spiritual growth has more to do with God's faithfulness than it does our own. In Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul put it like this. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we all know this, but once we're saved, sin still dwells in us. It still dwells in us, and it fights against the work that God's trying to do in our life. I said, come on, don't miss this. Once we're saved, that sin nature is still there. Come on, we have the old nature, and we have the new nature. And that sin nature, it fights against the work that God is really trying to do in our life, because He tries to direct us, doesn't He? Oh, of course so. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit of God moves in at the time of salvation, and he, he tries to point us to what God would have, what to do right along the way. And it can be a struggle. That is why it can be a real struggle to be a faithful Christian. I've said it many a time. The, the, the easiest thing I ever did was get saved. No, no, no. All the work had been done. All I did was turn to God, trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. He saved me just like that. But one of the hardest things that I've ever tried to do is be a good Christian, a faithful Christian. I mean, everything that God would have me to be. Certainly, it's a struggle. It's a challenge at times, isn't it? I mean, we fight along that way. We can find ourselves neglecting, listen to me, we can find ourselves neglecting the purposes of God in our lives. Come on, we know that God has purposes in our life, and we can find ourselves neglecting those very purposes. God can bring a spark of revival back to our hearts, and then 30 days or 60 days or 90 days later, our hearts need reviving again. 
I mean, God will do something in our heart and our life. We make another commitment. Man, this is great. This is going to be good. And before long, we're needing it again. And we're needing it again. God does require faithfulness from us. But if it was not for His faithfulness to us, we would make very little spiritual progress. His faithfulness to us. He wants us to be faithful. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's God that works in us to try to get us to do exactly what He would have us to do. He continues to work in us. He knows we're dirt. Come on, He knows we're but flesh. He understands. He understands. No, no, He does understand. And so He continues to work in us. We fall, He picks us up. We stumble, He catches us. Come on. We mess up and He's there for us. Are you Baptist, you just believe in once saved, always saved. Oh, absolutely so. Once you're truly saved by the grace of God, you ain't getting out of it. No, 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 no way. No, no. We are in Christ's hand, Christ's in God's hand. It's sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. And you're not getting out of that. No, 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 no. Well, they just believe that. So, you know, that, that grace thing. So, you know, you can just sin all you want to after you get saved. Oh, no, no. Once you get saved, you shouldn't want to sin the way you used to. And God does give us victory over those things, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely so. So God continues to work on us. Even though we have that sin nature, even though that it battles, it battles us. It does. It battles us. God is still working, trying to get us to the place that he wants us to be. He's the one that stirs our heart to want to do the right thing. And then he is the one that gives us grace to do what he, his will is for our lives. He gives us that grace so that we can fulfill those things. Has there ever been a time in your life that you wandered away from God? I mean, have you ever gone from being a hot Christian to being a lukewarm Christian? I mean, has there ever been a time in your life that you realized that you were backslidden? I mean, you know, you realized that your walk with God was not what it once was. You found yourself back into those same old sins, doing those same old things again. The old hymn writer, he had it, he had it right when he wrote down, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And the Apostle Paul, he had it down too when he wrote, When I would do good, evil is present with me. Yep. <clears throat> Since when we do wander away or backslide or whatever you want to call it, since when we do that, we're not being faithful to God. then it must be His faithfulness to us that gives us a desire to get back to where we need to be. Oh, come on. That, that, that's, a, that's a great point of this message, I guarantee you. Since when we, when we wander away or backslide, we know it's because we're not faithful to God. Right? Oh, yeah. So then, it, so then it has to be His faithfulness to us that gives us a desire to come back. 
Come on, there's been a time that I've been a long way from God and I hate that part of my life. I hate that part of my testimony. I hate that after I got saved that I wandered away from God. I hate that part of my testimony. I do. But I guarantee you it was not Bill Marshall that said, well, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get back to loving God like I should. Oh, no, no. It wasn't that old sin nature inside of me that did that. It was the very God of heaven that dwells in my heart by the Holy Spirit that did that. It was His faithfulness to me. Not my faithfulness to Him because I had, I had departed from any faithfulness to him. It was his faithfulness to me that got me back to where I needed to be. God desires to put his hand upon your life so he never stops working. He never stops trying to fulfill his purpose for your life. Never does. Look, God's hand of blessing is upon those who seek him with an obedient heart of faith. Come on, don't get that. Uh, don't, don't, don't miss this. God's hand of blessing is upon those who seek Him with an obedient heart of faith. Where do you get that? Verse number 10. Verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now, get this. I want you to get this. Ezra was from a good family. He's from a good family. Had a good bloodline. And he had been taught what was right. But that is not why God's hand was upon Ezra. Just because he was from a good family. Uh, 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 and, and in the gene- uh, uh, genealogy at the beginning of this chapter, there are names that every Jew would remember. Truly. We have the name of uh, Sariah up there. Sariah, he died a martyr. King Nebuchadnezzar killed him when Jerusalem was overthrown in Babylon. And then we have Hilkiah. Hilkiah led Israel to spiritual reform and to revival also in the days of King Josiah. And then we have Aaron. And of course, we know that Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. So he's got a pretty good bloodline, doesn't he? Oh, no, no, he's from a good family, isn't he? Oh, absolutely so. A good family. I mean, what a blessing to be born into a family of believers like that. But there is not one person that is blessed of God just because of who their parents may be. Not a one. Oh, no, 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 no. And there is no doubt that Ezra himself had a great ministry. I mean, he was a scribe of Israel. He had a wonderful ministry. But that is not why God's hand was upon him either. Just because he had this ministry, this great ministry, was allowed to do what he did. Scribes had the privilege of copying and preserving the Scripture for future generations. They had the responsibility to make very accurate copies of the Word of God. And there's a lot in that. We won't chase that rabbit. And when we think of everything that Jesus had to say about the scribes and the Pharisees of his day, it reminds us that you can work for God without truly knowing God. That you can do all this work and still, not, and still not have the blessing of the hand of God upon you. I mean, it, it definitely reminds it was not It was not because of his ancestors that God's hand was upon him. And it was not even because of the religious duties that he had been given and was fulfilling at that time. The reason that God's hand was upon Ezra was because Ezra developed a heart of obedience and a heart of faith by seeking the law of the Lord. 
by being in the Word of God. Come on, don't, don't miss this. He, he developed a heart of obedience. Obedience, that's a part, an important part. And a heart of faith. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. By seeking God's Word. By seeking the law of the Lord. It says he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And to do it. That's what it says. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, but we can't chop the end of that off. And to do it. To do it. The knowledge of the Word of God that we may hold in our head does not change us. It is the truth of God's word that grips our heart that changes us. When we realize, man, I need that. When we realize God's speaking to me. When we realize I've got to stop doing that. Or I've got to start doing that. I mean, it's that part that grips our heart. Ezra prepared himself to seek the law of the Lord. He made a commitment in his heart to get to know God through his word that he might fulfill all that God had for his life. So he read and studied God's word. And he read and studied God's word, committed To do what God said to do. Come on. Come on. It wasn't just that he read and studied God's word. It's that he read and studied God's word with a commitment from his heart to do what God wanted him to do. To do what God wanted him to do. Okay, let's put it like this. Ezra... Didn't want to be a hypocrite. He didn't want to be a hypocrite. What do you mean, preacher? He lived what he learned from the Bible. Oh, Ezra was just a sinner saved by grace like you and our sinner saved by grace. I don't understand. He was just a man. It's not like he was absolutely perfect. No way saved. No, 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 no. But, I mean, he had a heart to do what God wanted him to do. You know, we may know a lot about the Bible, but that is not, that is, that is not, that, that is not, mm. come on brain, what, what we know about the Bible does not change us. It is what we do with what we know that changes our life. Well, preacher, I know that God wants me, but you know. No, 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 no. If we know what God wants, then we ought to be pursuing that. 
what God, what good does it what what good does it do to know that God loves lost sinners and that Jesus will save them if we don't do what God has told us to do to reach them? What good is it to know what God says about forgiving others if we refuse to forgive others? What is the good in knowing what God says about church being a benefit to us and being a benefit to our family if we're not attending as we should? Come on, God lays all this out. This isn't something Bill Marshall made up. He lays this out. He tells us what is good. He tells us how we can be blessed. But what good does it do to know all of that if we're not doing that? God places His hand of blessing on the lives of those that are looking to Him. Listen to me, please. That are looking to Him for the grace and the help that they need to do what He wants them to do. He's, <clears throat> it's going to take God's grace. To do what he wants us to do. And it's going to take God's help. To do what he wants us to do. We can't do this on our own. And so as we pursue. What God has for us. His hand of blessing is upon us. Because he wants us to accomplish that. Come on. God doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to fail. And as we pursue doing what He plainly um, directs us to do, then His grace kicks in. And we see Him work in our life as we pursue these things because it's what God directs us to do. See, Ezra read and studied the Bible that he might be a help to others in need. He knew that the Bible would be a benefit to him. He knew that. But, but, but that it was not for his benefit only. Man, God's given me this so I can help somebody with this and help somebody with that and encourage somebody here. He knew that what he had learned from God was good for others also. And he was prepared to help them to learn too. I want you to listen to me this morning. Please listen to me this morning. It is not like Ezra has, it's not like Ezra had any advantage whatsoever over you and me. He was not doing something that you and I are not able to do. Ezra was doing what, he was doing what, what, what any Christian can do. He prepared his heart to seek the Word of God with a commitment to do what God said to do. There's not anyone that is a born-again believer of God that cannot do this. I said, I was hoping for another amen or two there. Because there is not anyone that's a born-again child of God that can't do this. We can do it. With God's help. I'm telling you, Ezra worked at having a heart that God could bless. He wanted to have a heart that God could bless. It was an obedient heart of faith in God. And for that reason, God put his hand of blessing upon Ezra's life. He blessed Ezra in all that he did. And Ezra made sure that God received all the glory for it. 
Ezra, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, that's me. Oh, Ezra, you're doing good. No, that wasn't his mindset whatsoever. He knew that the good that he was doing was because the hand of God was upon him. He knew that any good that was happening in his life, it was happening because of God. And here's the truth. Here is a truth. You will be quick. You will be quick to give God all the glory for blessing you the way that He has when His hand is upon your life. Let me try to get that out all in one sentence. You will be quick to give God all the glory for the blessing that is on your life when His hand is upon your life. You won't be trying to take credit for what is done. You'll know that God has done that. And that He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. Truly. No, that's what it, no, that's what, that, that's what it shows us in verse 27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers which had put such a thing as this in the king's heart. Ezra didn't do it. To beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and had extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord God was upon me and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. This chapter tells us <clears throat> that when Ezra went to, the, uh, to King Artaxerxes, the king granted all of his requests, all of his requests. God, God had put Ezra in the position where he would ask the king to support the mission in Jerusalem. He went to the king for that. And, and the king did so. Okay, okay. He, he presented a list of what was needed to accomplish that venture. Here's what we're going to need. And we have a copy. We really have a, a copy of the response from King Artaxerxes given in that letter form beginning in verse number 11. Verse 11, now this is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words, a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And so we have that. It, 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 amazingly, it amazingly shows the very same spirit. This is crazy. This is wonderful. It amazingly shows the very same spirit of generosity toward God's people as that of Cyrus and of that is Darius. Come on, it was God that moved on these kings' life. And now he's moved on Artaxerxes' life. And it also shows us somewhat of what Ezra requested. Look at verse 13 there. It says, I make a decree. This is the letter. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and, and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. So... All of God's people that were there in exile, if they so desired to return to Jerusalem, they could do that. No, he said, whoever wants to go, you folks want to go and go back to your promised land? Whoever wants to go, I'm not going to hold you back. No, that's an amazing thing. That didn't come, by, that didn't come from anybody but God himself. But he also says this, verse 15, and to carry the silver and gold. This is, now, this is still the letter from the king. And to carry the silver and gold, which the kings and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem, and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the province of Babylon, 
with the free will offering of the people and of the priest, offering willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem. So an offering, an offering of however much he was able to receive, that Ezra was able to receive, um, would be available. Okay, that excites a preacher. Sorry, I can't help it. But no, no, it's, all, it's, it's, it's better than that because, because it started with what the king and his counselors would give. They had plenty. What they would give to support the work of God that was to take place. Oh no, it even gets better. Look at verse 19. Come on, we're hurrying along. Verse 19. The vessels also that are given thee for the service of the house of thy God, those deliver thou before the God of Jerusalem, and whatsoever more shall be needful for the house of thy God, which thou shalt have occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure house. So the doors to the this is the doors to the king's treasure house were open. So whatever was needed for the house of God would be available in order to minister to God's people. He said, just open the doors for them boys. Let them take out whatever they need so they can do, go and do what God wants them to do. No, look at verse 21. Come on, we're hurrying. And, and, and I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers which are beyond the river. That, that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, shall require of you, it be done speedily. Unto an hundred talents of silver, and to an hundred measures of wheat, and to an hundred baths of wine, and to an hundred baths of oil, and salt without prescribing how much. So anywhere on Ezra's journey, as he journeyed back, in his months of journey, as he journeyed back, if he needed anything else whatsoever, whether it be supplies or funds to help, it would be available at any IRS station along the way. We'll just take it from the government. Well, that's pretty much what he said. There. Just, just, just be looking to them. Oh, look at verse number 24. Verse 24. It says, Also we certify you that touching any of the priests and the Levites, singers, porters, nephews, or ministers of this house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose, impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. So the ministers of God we're all tax exempt and didn't have to pay any tolls along the way. Come on, this didn't happen just because the king decided to have a good heart. This happened because the good hand of God was upon Ezra when, when God sent Ezra to stand before this king. And this king's like, man, I'm opening up everything. Look at verse 25. Come on, we're, we're almost done. And thou, Ezra, still in the letter, and thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, Set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as, as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that know them not. So Ezra was given the authority to replace any magistrate, to replace any judge that he so desired with men that would uphold the laws of God. Oh, God, man. This is This is awesome. Well, preacher, <clears throat> Ezra must have had some kind of personality. I mean, to sway the king like that. Oh, Ezra didn't sway the king. It all happened because Ezra had the good hand of God upon him.
God had put it in this king's heart to do it. Look at verse 27. Oh, we're real close now. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. This brought, this brought Ezra to a place of, he, it, this brought him to a place of blessing God for everything that God had done and for all the mercy that God had shown to his people. Because it was so much more. Come on, stay with me. It was so much more than Ezra ever expected. And all of it was due to the mercy of God. It was what God had done. There truly is no other way to explain it when you think about how God had worked in the lives of His people over hundreds of years, over hundreds of years of ups and downs. God continued working in His people's lives. They went, over, they went off into exile because of their own sin, right? But God was still watching over them. And He brought them back to a place well, they never dreamed they could be. And I said all that to say this, His mercy is still the same for you and me today. It's the very same. I mean, how else can it be explained that He would show His grace to help us week after week, month after month, year after year, continue to try to help us. I'm here to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, real goodness in our life is dependent upon the blessings of God. Real goodness in our life is dependent upon the blessings of God. I'm talking about real goodness. I'm not talking about little geysers of goodness that spring up every once in a while in, in our lives as we are chasing the happiness of this world. Real goodness only comes from the hand of God. So it comes down to this. Is God's hand upon your life? I, I mean, do you have do you have a desire to experience the blessing of God upon your life? Because Ezra experienced it. And you can too. If you will prepare your heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. It's not just about coming to church once a week. It's about preparing your heart to seek the law of the Lord, the Word of God, and to do it. Give your whole heart to the reading of God's Word, to, to setting under the, the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, to learning all that you can about God and His will for your life. You have to give yourself to that. It doesn't just happen. Prepare yourself to do whatever it is that God says to do. And when you start doing that, that is when you will begin to, the, to experience God's hand upon your life. When you commit, when you commit to do, God will provide the grace to do His will with an obedient heart of faith. When you begin to do. 
what you know God would have you do. You do not have to have a good family background to do this. You do not have to have some big calling of God upon your life to do this. You can have God's blessing upon all that you do when your heart is devoted to seeking God's will from God's Word and doing it. There's not a believer that cannot do this. So here's the invitation. Can you see God's hand of blessing upon your life? Or is it just the thrill of worldly, fleshful happiness that you have when things just happen to go your way? If you can't see God's hand of blessing upon your life, why not, to, why not determine even today to start doing your part to make that happen? Prepare your heart to do whatever God would have you to do. Let's stand. Stand with me. Thank you for being so attentive and so patient with the preacher this morning. Thank you for that. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Perhaps you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I don't even know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm not even sure that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you please remember to pray for me? Well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to pray for you. You're here like that this morning. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. No one looking around in respect of the Lord. Yeah, Preacher, that's me. I'm not even sure if I died, I would go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? I want to. Would you slip your hand up wherever you're at? I'm not going to call on you, not going to point you out. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way, shape, or form. I just want to pray. Preacher, I'm just not sure. Would you please pray for me? You're here this morning and God spoke to your heart about some need in your own life. Something that you need to do. That you need to do to prepare your heart. God dealt with you this morning. Say, preacher, yeah, God's dealing with my heart about some things. Would you please pray for me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you slip up your hand wherever you're at and just allow me to pray for you? You just do whatever God wants you to do. God bless your honesty there. Thank you, ma'am, very much. Back there, God bless you and there and there. Thank you very much for your honesty. I appreciate that. Let me put your hands down. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. Only you can convince them of that with your conviction. Only you can bring them to that place of truly being saved by your grace. And we pray that you'd do just that. That maybe they'd even come this morning and let us take a Bible and show them how to get that settled. And then for the other hands that went up, I don't know how you've dealt with hearts. For those that are already kneeling at the altar, I don't know what you've done. Maybe for those that are watching by live stream, you've dealt with them. We just pray your perfect will would be done in each and every life. And we know that's not going to happen until we determine and commit to prepare our heart to seek your face. Lord, bless this time of invitation. As only you can, we trust you will, and thank you for your goodness. The piano's going to play. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Some have already made their way to an altar. You need to come. Why don't you come this morning? Just let God have his way. Something in your life that only God can do. Why don't you come and ask God to help you? Maybe you just need to commit to prepare your heart to get back in the Word of God. 
to do those things uh, that you used to do as a Christian. Maybe you're in need of a revival. Well, God is the one that can give it to you. So whatever He wants to do in your heart, in your life this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd sure love to have you come this morning. We can have someone take you aside, take a Bible and show you how to have that all settled also.